Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome to our new show, Accelerate Expresso. Look, I mean, I know you're busy, and it's hard to keep up with all six of the great episodes we publish each week. So, with this show, Accelerate Expresso, we're going to deliver highlights from each episode from the previous week. And in the process, give you short, delicious shots of insight from a show you might have missed, and to help amp you up for the coming week. Now, before we jump into it, please remember to visit iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to subscribe to this podcast. And while you're there, leave a review, please, for Accelerate. We need your feedback to ensure that we keep delivering the high levels of value you expect. Okay, let's express it. First up on this edition of Expresso from episode 512 is Stephen Moulton. Stephen is president of Action Insight and author of The CEO's Advantage, Seven Keys for Hiring Extraordinary Leaders. We talked about these same seven keys and also got into the topic of how managers can really make their people much more effective sellers. And I think that that's one of the challenges that new, new leaders particularly face is because they've moved from an individual contributor role where they have been basically running themselves, and now they have to engage others. And the first instinctive thing is to be either micromanager, controlling, or to do... Well, which you're right, is driven, driven by fear. Which is driven by fear of losing control. Or just giving up and let them just everybody just run amok. So they need to, in addition to developing their people and getting to know their people, they need to set a standard for what is expected. One of my things, I have a, a GPS, if you will, of expectations that I have for me and the group. And my first expectation is, call me out when I don't live up to my own expectations. I want my team to do that because sometimes I am not aware of when I'm not doing what I expect done. On Tuesday, in episode 513, I spoke with Babette Tenhaken. It's Babette's second appearance on Accelerate, and she's the founder and president of Sales Aerobics for Engineers. And in this episode, we talk about how sales reps should master being relentlessly curious, researching the industry and the subject matter deeply to become experts and how they should be ready to ask great, if not spontaneous, questions to uncover the customer's needs. And folks, I immediately sent Andy an email. I just said, this is brilliant, and it's so timely. Because what I've discovered um, is that in working with salespeople, when they think they've discovered the question that that needs the solution and the answer, they stop the sales process short. And I'm a scientist by training, and and you know, Andy, you have, you know, you're a technical uh, professional by training, and that's where they stop the sales process. However, in science, that's the question where that's the foundation of the type of question that they need to to start asking. There's a question in back of that question that they've just spent a lot of time discovering, and determining that question has to do with context. Right. What is the context? And I have a saying, I always say root causes have really big contexts. And without taking the time to discover the context of the buyer's question, sellers will propose inappropriate solutions and they'll end up selling themselves short. 
Which so what, we, what was your take? <laughs> <laughs> so what was your take on your brilliant <laughs> on the on letter. Jonas Jonas Locke's brilliant uh, quote? Well, I mean, for me, it's it's been one of those quotes you know, I always sort of keep around and keep referring to and and refer mm-hmm. lots of people to because because to me it speaks to never being satisfied. You know, yes. you start talking about the relentless curiosity, but you know the moment you th- you're satisfied with what you think you found out, to your point precisely, you stop selling. And then mm-hmm. the sales process is sort of frozen in time. And, you know, there are certain, certain things you're doing, like code development otherwise, where, you know, it's really important to freeze the code at a certain moment in time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're working at the customer, it's, it's not that first aha moment that's really the aha moment. It's mm-hmm. really, that's really the start. Yeah. And so this idea of self-satisfaction or thinking that you've done it, you know, you've discovered what their, their pain, quote unquote, pain point was. Yeah, not so much. And so it's really, you have to think about the fact that you're, you're doing discovery throughout the entire sales process. You know, we tend to sell it short by saying, yeah, well, this is, you know, the second phase of our sales process and we have certain exit criteria and you meet those. So on discovery, great, you're going to go on to the next phase. But there really is a discovery component in every step of the sales process. And the moment you stop is your odds of winning the deal go down pretty dramatically. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a, an archaeology, quite honestly, to it. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of times, and you and I too, for example, I'll get a lot of calls and requests for executive coaching, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it I, I deal with complex business sales and technical environments within the industrial internet of things ecosystem. So they either make stuff, process stuff, or automate processes. But depending on who I'm speaking with and their professional discipline, we discover why they would like that coaching. And often they, what they call or what they assume they want isn't really what they need. So how many sellers would go close the deal since we've got a buyer, right, that's gung-ho for coaching? But often um, you end up proposing the wrong solution. So in my case, often there's a non-disclosure agreement. It's signed. Mm -hmm. Information's exchanged. It allows Mm -hmm. me to establish why they need coaching. And often what they feel the coaching is about is is sales philosophy, is customer acquisition, customer success, and customer retention. However, I don't stop there at their question. That's not my aha. And most, and you know, how many people would be jumping up and down and go, ooh, 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 (laughs) let me send you a proposal Mm -hmm, and sign mm -hmm. on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have a problem, and I certainly do have a solution for their problem. However, they're making assumptions that their problem has to do with inability to close complex sales after demos, for example. So if I propose a coaching program for their definition of the problem, that, aha, they'll have the same problem again and again. Right. And why is that? Because during the discovery process, as well as in reading the information they send me and in subsequent conversations... I discover the real question that they are not asking themselves. And that's when you start to have those conversations that even they didn't realize they wanted to have with you until you start having them. And, and, and that's quite honestly where we sell the value of our solutions, whether it's coaching or what, you know, whatever we're doing or our software or whatever, because we took the time to discover the real question behind 
the question that they were asking and, and behind the questions we're asking them. Uh, it makes all the difference in the world It's an uh, the, is to discover the unasked question. Next up in episode 514 is Tony Hughes. Tony is another repeat guest on Accelerate. And hey, the good ones get to come back more often. So anyway, he's, Tony is the founder and managing director of RSVP Selling. He's a blogger, widely read blogger, and author of a couple books, including The Joshua Principle, as well as his latest book, Combo Prospecting, the powerful one-two punch that fills your pipeline and wins sales. And this episode, we talk about Tony's new book about prospecting. And Tony says it takes multi-threaded strategy with the right combination of tactics to really make prospecting effective. So you want to check this little blurb out and then listen to the full episode on Accelerate. Well, let me, let me give you one example. Um, w- one of my clients here in Sydney, but they're, they're a global operation. Um, so they're actually headquartered out of the US, but uh, I was in their Sydney office. One of their sales guys was telling me that uh, within the business, if they want to go and do calls to, to um, follow up on sales or build pipeline, they're not allowed to do it from the sales floor. They need to actually go and book um, one of the pods or booths uh, that are dedicated to calling, and there's only a small number of those in the office. Um, uh, Why? So, uh, be- because management d- don't want salespeople that are banging away on the phone disturbing other people in the office, which which to me is just an act of insanity. You know, you <laughs> you, you yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, because well, you, you really want to create a bit of a buzz in the office, and, sure. and you want people to be leading by example. Um, uh, there's a, there's, there's another client I was talking to, uh, in, in London. Um, actually, sorry, he's another consultant in London that was actually interviewing me on, on his show. And one of his clients that he went and visited had actually taken, if you can believe this, had taken the phones off the sales floor. They decided to go 100% all in on social selling. Um, so, you know, their, their view is people don't answer the phone anymore anyway, so we're just going to go all in on social. And again, that is just a massive act of insanity. We, we need the right combinations of channels and activity if we want to, if we want to go and be successful in sales. And how's that going for that company? Uh, they ended up putting phones back on the sales floor. This, this consultant worked with them to make sure that they did that. It was just crazy. Yeah, and that, as you said, that's just an act of sheer insanity or wishful thinking. In which, <laughs> in almost a clinical, pathological sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that is absolute nuts. Um, so, talk about the combinations, right? Activity that's you know at the heart of of combo prospecting. So, tell people what you mean by that. Well, what what many salespeople do is is they'll um, uh, they'll make a phone call and leave a voicemail, and and then they'll think to themselves, "Well, I don't want to leave any any more voicemails for the person because it'll seem like I'm desperate." Um, and they just get too passive and they get too linear in trying to break into an organization. So they'll, they'll think, well, I want to get to this person and they just target that one person. So what I believe it takes to be successful today and what I'm seeing my clients have huge success with is, is adopt a multi-threaded strategy with the right combination. So uh, you use a product like Sales Navigator, you go and identify the power base in an organization, all of the people that, that would matter to you in being able to get a solution into that organization. So the thing we know today, it's uh, it's never one person that makes the decision. It's, uh, it's you know, up to seven people or groups of people. Um, even a strong leader will want consensus before they'll drive any kind of change. So we've got to identify the, the obviously the most senior person that owns the problem. 
um, the, the people below them and around them that would be part of achieving consensus to make the decision. And then we need to go at all of those people concurrently is really my view. And if any of those people b- bumped into another one in their organization and said, hey, is that Tony Hughes guy, has he left a message for you too? If you know That to me is a really good thing, not a bad thing, if you have the right narrative. So, so what people need to do you know, with, with the right combinations is they need to phone their cell phone, leave a voicemail message, send an email, send an, an email, and even in the initial outreach, also send a text message. So you want the person thinking, man, this person is determined, I, I may as well get back to them because because the, they're going to keep contacting me. And if you've got the right narrative so that you don't come across as a sales pest, if you've actually got value for them in the conversation, because the way that salespeople need to think is that is that I'm going to provide value for the person in the conversation, the initial conversation I have, rather than act like the only time that they will get value is if they buy from me. Um, so, so we need to do those things really, really well, and we need we need to do them in short succession. So it all needs to happen within about ninety seconds, two minutes per outreach. Um, and every time you leave the office each day, you need to make sure you don't leave the office without knowing exactly what that call list is for first thing in the morning. So what I recommend to people is is that they they get, get into their office by quarter to eight in the morning. So before the people that they're trying to reach are subsumed into endless meetings all day, um, that they're on the phone to them while they're traveling into work or before they get into those meetings. And you create you create the habit of doing that every single day. Um, because again, what I see with salespeople is they'll have these flurries of activity to try and go and build pipe because they've they've either missed their number or they can see that they're about to. So they'll have all of this prospecting activity and pipeline generation activity. And then once they get a little bit of a decent pipe, they then back off and they just they they focus on trying to progress those opportunities and they neglect prospecting. But the reality is it needs to happen every single day as a disciplined habit. In episode 515, I spoke with Paul Teshema. Paul's the founder and CEO of Nudge.ai. And in this episode, Paul and I had a really interesting conversation about artificial intelligence and sales, where it's going, where it's being used today, and what it's going to be used for in the future, and how that's going to impact our day-to-day sales life. So be sure to check out the entire conversation on iTunes or on my website at andypaul.com. Absolutely. So the second, this, so that is one sort of train of thought around AI. I think the second, which um, certainly we are going down and others are as well, is that AI can be used to tackle problems that a human does today that they have to do. Um, they are re- repetitive. They take some thought, uh, but they are typically more behind the scenes. Um, and so whether it is analyzing call scripts to figure out, you know, what a rep is doing during a call. Uh, whether it is in the case of Nudge, doing lots of research on a company or a person so that you're better prepared for every interaction. Um, so this kind of more grunt work AI, I think there's a lot of promise because, um, as you know, sales reps spend way too much time doing that type of work and not enough time actually engaging in the selling and relationship building that actually is is their key skill. So in the second iteration of or definition, let's say, of AI that you talked about is... I don't know I was reading a a blog post uh, on your your website actually about four ways sales leaders can use AI, and some of the examples cited seemed more like they were just sort of analytics, right? I mean, taking data sets that sort of existed that and data or statistics could be derived otherwise, and it seems sort of I don't know to me a little bit AI light to some degree. I mean, it, 
so we have this big trend with big data coming into into sales obviously is is there's a distinction though between just the analytics and AI uh, absolutely I think that every if you, especially if you look at stuff that is more rather more around reporting more um, it's always going to start at the base level of just doing first level analytics where where the AI comes into is where you apply machine learning to have a continuous improvement process around it so by interacting with a tool, let's look at it as something as simple as I want to understand engagement across, uh, you know, how my reps are driving engagement pre-pipeline into the accounts that they're supposedly going after. Um, you know, first level, maybe just analytics. Here's a report of every person and their engagement profile across different sets. They call it 100 named accounts. Uh, but if you go to the second iteration where now machine learning is taking account the outcomes of those deals, like how many wouldn't apply, how many closed. And you can now iterate back and say, you know, based on these profiles, these reps need to do more. These reps are actually good. You get into that continuous learning environment, which really AI can drive. On Frontline Friday this week, episode 516, Bridget and I spoke about sales quotas. Now, research studies claim that fewer than 50% of sales reps are making their quota each year. So the question Bridget and I dive into is, if that research is true, and so few reps are making quota, then what's the point of quota? I mean, shouldn't we find a more meaningful way to measure sales performance? I agree. I, I can't speak to, you probably can more than I can, because you talk to a lot of people, that you, VPs of sales and people in industry and studies and stuff, regarding how companies and how much companies and managers are thinking about this topic it's on my mind a lot. In fact, earlier in the week, um, one of the founders had said, Bridget, it's really important that next quarter all the reps meet their quota. I said, and why? Well, I didn't even say why I said, yes, that's what I think about all day long, every day. My job is to, it, I feel that it is my job to help them achieve that. Yes, they have a piece of it, mm-hmm. but I need to make them successful. That's what, that's, what I, that's what I look to do each and every day. I feel grateful that I work for a company that believes that that's important also. Um, because I have worked for and with executives that don't think they should meet quota. That think if the reps are meeting quota, the quota is too low. It's a philosophy. I, I don't know where they get the other philosophy, but it's a philosophy. Yeah. I, well, I look at, <laughs> yeah, to me, it's just so counterintuitive, right? Is that you arbitrarily decide a certain number of reps should make quota. Uh, you arbitrarily decide that you know, the company needs to grow this amount next year. Therefore, quotas need to go up that amount, that amount as opposed to saying, hmm, well, another way to grow is to have a higher fraction of our sales reps actually meet their quota and having experienced what it feels like to make quota to be paid commission you know to earn more money then you've increased their stake in their own success so instead of boosting quotas 30 percent this year boost it 10 percent, and you may find you're gonna get that 30 percent growth you want because you have more people contributing to the success within sales and having brought them into the fold as as a quote unquote top performer, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure they continue to do that. It's almost like you and I spoke about last episode about the you know, how bosses when they hired new 
new salespeople always wanted to make sure they, you know, made some big purchase that committed them financially. So they had the motivation to, well, hey, yeah, you make more money, you got to start spending a little more money. You know, you're going to want to have a lifestyle you want to you want to maintain. It's just it's just the way people operate. We have a little more money. Mostly they spend it these days. So yeah, get people experiencing that success and making a little more money. You've got them hooked. Well, let's. So Andy, you and I are obviously in agreement here. Why do you suppose? What's 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 the other side of the coin? Why? Because it, it's it's also prevalent. You and I are on the same side that we believe that reps should make money, that they feel successful, that that success starts off this chain reaction of more success. What's the argument for the other? What are we missing? Finally, we wrapped up the week with episode 517 with my guest, Pat Helmers. Pat is the host of the Sales Babble podcast and author of the Selling with Confidence sales system. In our conversation, we talked about startup selling, and how to make sure you hire the right people for your first salespeople. This so is, the work part is, first I have them fill this form, and the next thing I say, I, what I'd like you to do is give me a demo of some piece of software. So whatever you're working on, I would say, I'm going to get you a free account. I'm not going to give you any coaching, but I just want you to give me a 20-minute, 15-minute presentation on how the software works. And people who can't technically figure that out, just never do it. People who struggle with it, you know, get their friends to help them. It becomes obvious when they're giving when they're giving the demonstration. It becomes pretty obvious who's adept at this and who isn't. And do you have them actually then like pick up the phone and call a customer? I actually have them call. I act I act like I'm a customer and I give them common, you know, up, you know, you know, objections that I, I commonly hear and see how they deal with how they address them. Okay. And I kind of, and, it, and the thing, an interesting thing about that is that you know sometimes they feel like oh they've done really really bad, but I commonly after the end of the call I'll call them back and say you did really good, you know I didn't expect I didn't give you any training you know I'm not looking for perfection and I'll tell them I'm not looking for perfection, but the ones who you could tell they've really put a lot of energy into it and they've really tried they've really tried very very hard to to win me over, I mean that's that's you know if, if it looks like they have the base set of skills that I can work with. That's that, that, that's adequate. That's fine. So many people don't even get that far. You would be surprised, Andy. Three fourths of people don't get this far. Oh, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, but, I, but they could have shown up right in an interview. This is what a guy. This I was working with a guy this spring who was doing this. He people would apply and he'd say, "Well, let's meet for lunch." He'd immediately meet with them for lunch, and they would. He would just. They, he would just be blown away by by some of these people, and he'd up and hire them. And you say, "Well, maybe you should have checked references or walked through their reference." No, you never ever truly assessed their skills. And since he's been doing this process, it is, his process is a little bit different than this because he is, is a marketing company. Sure. But it's been phenomenal, the workers that he's getting. Now he's actually getting productivity out of them uh, compared to the people that he was hiring last year. Yeah, I mean, hiring is really an exercise what, in risk management. You know, so Seth Gold's got something where he'll say that what he tries to do is he tries to get people to intern for him for free. Sure. But that's got it tough. <laughs> you know, and I guess in some businesses, well, you know, if, if you're Seth, if you're, if you're, if you're Seth Godin, yeah, yeah, people would want to do, do that. Right. But but this is the next best thing. This is the next best thing. So you can really, really see whether or not people, yeah, this 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 process works. Yeah, well, yeah. I think any any process that combines assessments and testing of skills and capabilities. There's know, a people, part there too where you walk through the resume. 
you know, and well, this I think could, you have, I think this could take like three hours where you walk through their les- resume line by line. Explain this to me. What's going on here? And, and you kind of look to see whether their whole story, their whole life story makes sense. Thanks again for joining us. Until next week on Accelerate Expresso, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. So that's it, friends. Another excellent week of Accelerate, the world's best sales podcast. Please take 30 seconds right now. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. I personally want to know what I can do to make this an even more valuable resource for you. For our regular listeners, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning. For everyone else, we'll see you again back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.